1: As if the McCrispie couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispie. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to episode four of Divots and Pivots, everyone. I am your host Andrew Laduke, and I am excited to have with me again this week, Mr. Bud Copeland, and then our special guest Caitlin Moyer from Stick and Hack. Um, actually, Bud is also from Stick and Hack, so this is a little uh, little collaboration, I guess, with the with the company. But um, collusion, okay, collusion. <laughs> Caitlin, we'll start with you. How's it, How's your day going today?
0: Oh, it's great. Um, Had a full day of work, a little teaching, a little yoga. Now I'm here with you guys. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I know you're definitely uh, multi uh, multi talented. Uh, I forget exactly how it's worded on your Twitter, but it's uh, I, it's something along the lines of uh, she's a free uh, agent. She's a five tool free agent. That's what it what. Did you, buddy? You got it memorized? <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah, I'm impressed. I was like thinking what, what's in my bio right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Freaking right. creeper over here. No, I was actually thinking we had similar mornings. I woke up, I did a, I did a Peloton, and I'm not just saying that because I want to get anything free, which I do <laughs> eventually. Uh, but then I, I went straight to my Nike yoga app, my Nike training app. Um, somebody on a call the other day said, how do you get 35-year-old men to do yoga? I said, you got to put it in an app. Um, and you got to make sure <laughs> I was like, I was like, you can't, you, they, they, they don't put them in public first, let them do it in their basement and they'll get hooked. And I've been five years into it now. So that's just funny that you said that. Namaste. Good to see you, Andrew. Good to see you as well. How are you doing yes. today? Uh, I am good. I am tired. I'm on a work
1: trip. So that's why I have a fancy background for once instead of my mustard green, uh, mustard yellow wall behind me. And, uh, sometimes maroon blanket covering the window, but, <laughs> but, uh, but Yeah, other than tired, I'm good. I'm good out out here on the road doing work, getting it done, uh, as you like to say your your temporary nine to five or, or however you say it. But we're, we're <laughs> my here. future former nine to five, future former, yeah, th- those are the words. So, uh, so always yeah, got so to grind. Always got to grind. So, uh, so here on episode four today, so we're gonna be talking about one of my favorite tournaments of the year, the the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, it, it, it's it's an environment that. Other than the like the classy like masters environment, I would love to see. Like, I want to go out and I just want to be Happy Gilmore crazy at at TPC uh, Scottsdale. I think it would just be a blast. I think it's the type of environment that uh, that brings some fun to golf that 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 we need to to bring in some 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 uh, some casual viewers here and there. So, um, I love this tournament. I'm excited to talk about. It. I'm excited to talk about Caitlin and her journey. Um, she's got an interesting path to be joining us here today. Uh, so really excited to dive into that and, and yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get this going for you here. So, um, you can catch us, you are probably watching us live here on tiki But if you, if you happen to be missing that, um, you can catch us on Twitter, YouTube, um, all the normal places from there, uh, Google podcasts, Spotify, all that fun. So check us out. Uh, so to get started though, Caitlin, so you used to be Milwaukee brewers marketing in that. So what was your position there? Was Were you um, head of marketing or were you an assistant or what was it? So
0: I worked for uh, the Brewers for almost two decades. I started as marketing coordinator, worked my way up to uh, director of new media. So when I started there, social media didn't exist. Built mm-hmm. the department and ran it. Um, that's where I was focused for the last seven years. So really focused on digital and social.
1: Okay. So you really grew with that that mm-hmm. whole trend that's now <laughs> It, you know, taking over the world of marketing, the SEO and all that fun stuff. But, but now you're, you we found, we find you here in the, living in the golf world. So w- was golf always like a, a passion of you that you just finally got the chance to take to career wise?
0: I love sports. I always wanted to work in sports. I actually wanted to be a sports like journalist, um, mm. never wanted to be on air or anything like that, but I <laughs> love writing. Um, and then in college for, I wrote for the college paper, for paper in high school and then, um, my stupid backwards thinking was like, I don't want to have a deadline every day. So I switched majors to PR and marketing, which, okay, now you have like 20 deadlines every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, it worked out. It was a good, good field for me. And I wanted to be in sports. I golf is the only sport I really played. So, um, but I also was a big baseball and hockey fan, so I ended up in baseball, got an internship, and kind of never really left there. And mm-hmm. um, along the way, I continued to play golf and continue to be a fan of the sport. But baseball is a really long season, and it takes up the bulk mm-hmm. of the best weather months uh, here mm-hmm. in Wisconsin, where I'm at. So, um, whenever I have a chance to play, I just go play. My practice just to the wayside it was like okay if i have if i have you know in two hours i'm just gonna go play nine quick and um so my game kind of devolved but i still enjoyed it i got to do a really a lot of cool stuff with the game because i liked golf and a lot of the baseball players like golf so (laughs) we uh, took players out a few times um the pga came to um, wisconsin a few years ago and we had uh jason duffner come out and do a stadium shootout at miller park with uh, one of our players, Kyle Loesch, and they kind of had a a side bet going on Twitter. Um, We had had a blast. So I was able to mix in golf, but now I've got my own freelance communications and marketing business. I do a lot of freelance writing, which... I said, got back to my roots, got back to kind of that journalistic impulse. I do a lot of PR. still do some social media for some brands. I'm working with a couple tournaments. So I've been really fortunate my whole career to really mix in the things that I love and you know find a way to get paid to do those things.
1: That's awesome. It sounds like the dream to me. If I if I could find that's that's what the goal. If I can make that happen, that that's it right there. Just just do what you love and and find someone who's going to pay pay for you. Um, what I'm curious though, so you mentioned a lot of the baseball players like to play golf too, though. It was something that, that I was always told like, they could just because it's such complete opposite types of swings and movements, like, does it not mess up their, like, their swing for baseball Do the teams allow them to play golf in the season like mostly
0: starting pitchers um because they have the you know every five days they have to work (laughs) between that they can play and there's not going to mess up their swing um a lot of our relievers actually did love to play golf too um but yeah we had spring training in arizona every year i got to basically pick up and live there for five six weeks and we would take guys out we did things like um test out the segues um, test out the like scooter golf board things and um, promote some of those things for some of the different courses. And um, one of the, my favorite stories was uh, Kyle Loesch, who's, he's now retired and he, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't on the, the champions tour in a few years because he's a scratch golfer and he's awesome. And he was a veteran player at the time. He wasn't on social media. And this is right when I was, when we were starting our social media department and so we went out. Myself, two other players. We, the three of us, played a basketball scramble against his ball. And the deal was, if we beat him, he had to join Twitter. And <laughs> it took us till the seventeenth hole, the three of us, to beat him. But we did, and he joined Twitter. And now, when he gets into to Twitter arguments with people, I'm like, I did that, world. He's <laughs> <laughs> a great follower.
1: You unleashed uh, him on everyone. Okay
0: he's funny um he's he's friends with a lot of tour players i'm learning he's he's always driving back and forth with like max homa and um but he's a good dude but he's really really good golfer so fortunate to to get to play with him a few times
1: oh that's awesome and it's i think there's so many i find so many interesting parallels between golf fans and baseball fans because even so i had um the, the pesky report was on here a couple of weeks ago. And, and he said something in the, in the, the interview about how he has a hard time watching golf. Cause he doesn't like to watch a ball get hit and people chase after it. I was like, well, that's baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and that's your favorite. Like, so I, I find it interesting. Like, cause you said like people who they, you know, baseball, such a long season, like, well, like the golf season never stops. Te- like technically they, they kind of take a week off and then jump right into, to just some, some smaller tournaments. So, I do find it interesting that some people can't can't watch both. They they just pick one or the other. Um, I mean, have you talked to anybody like who's had any opinion on that? Just in your time in the baseball industry, or just it's just. A, a question that popped in my head here.
0: Um, no, I, you know, I haven't really ever looked at it like that myself, to be honest with that, but that's, mm. that's a really good point. Um, One thing that I noticed recently, when you think about it, you know, golf is so unique. You might have your favorite player that you are cheering for and hope will win, mm. but you're also cheering just for like good golf, good shots for yeah, anybody. Gosh. And even if there's a player where you're like, I don't really know if I care for that player. Like if he hits an awesome shot, you can appreciate that versus like baseball where, you know, you you know, Brewers fans hate Cubs fans. Like, we can never cheer for the Cubs fans, or we can never cheer for the Cubs. If you know, even if they threw a no hitter, which they have, and against us, and it's like, no, no, like we're not gonna, we could, you know, tip our cap and say, all right, the job, but like, still, it's, no-
2: and, and it's because the the Cubs and the Brewers are faceless, nameless, organizational, evil corporate entities that just. <laughs> You know, suck all the money out of us where, you know, Justin Thomas has a face. Lorena Ochoa has a name and, you know, a story. And and so that that's why I think it is there's few, there are fewer hatreds, I think, in, in individual sports. There are definitely some mm-hmm. demons and some anti-heroes out there. Uh, you know, we were talking about Patrick Reed before the show a little bit. And he's the, the classic example of, you know, somebody who seems to have a target on his back. And sometimes you might ask, is it because just golf has to have a couple? Like you have to have a couple people that you can either beat up on or Twitter can, you know, take down whenever they're bored.
0: Every story has a villain. And, yes. and,
2: the, and as far as the, like the idea of being slow or, you know, being able to cheer for you have your favorite player, but there's 144 players. Your favorite player's not going to win more often than not. But it's mm-hmm. like in March Madness, where if your team gets to the show and they get out in the first round you might still pay attention because there's gonna be another story that's fascinating and then you get to relive it next week in the pga tour and the lpga tour every single time you know you you put your you put your little dot there on, on the horse that you're following they might get knocked out terrible analogy we know what happens to horses in races <laughs> when they get knocked out but you're still going to sit there and cheer it on because there's going to be another race next week Back to you in the studio, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great point
1: that, that golf is one of those few sports that there really isn't much hatred in. And even like the the quote unquote hatred that there is is so much more of a like a playful hatred. Like you know, like, uh, like well, I was just gonna say. So, Caitlin, what which side of that were you? Did you find yourself on? Because you might we might as well ask. So, I found myself on the Brook side only because I just thought he his responses were so much more entertaining. Like the faces he gave Bryce, the things he said, I thought they were just wittier and snarkier
0: you know, you know what? I didn't choose a side. I, I, you are I, now. I, I thought it was all good for golf because people yeah, are yes. paying attention. That's, you know, that's what I'm cheering for is for golf. And if that's what gets people interested and gets them to watch and to tune in and pay attention, then okay, fine. Like, I don't know. I feel like both of them, they we were playing it up a little bit on both sides yeah. and both of them did things that maybe they, in hindsight, you know, wouldn't have done. And, um, but at the end of the day, I think like I think golf was, golf came out the winner there.
1: I agree. oh I agree like nothing nothing too negative came out of that that like scarred the sport or anything or put a stain on it. Which
2: but I, I think also is agree important. that Andrew Brooks had the upper hand on the chirpiness. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Florida kid. I can I grew up around similar area and folks that Brooks uh, we didn't run in similar same circles at all. We were in different parts, but same part of Florida kind of thing. <laughs> and I just identified with his his sense of humor on the whole thing. I just thought it was yeah. rye and dry and perfect. And like Caitlin, to your point, it was good for golf. It got, it got some, it got some bros to tune in who wanted a little bit of a mud match. It got some, 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 some people to tune in who simply just were like, wait a minute, who and why are they showing up on good morning America? Like, why do I care what Michael Strahan is saying about Brooks versus Bryson? Yeah. And then they all went and drank champagne uh, <laughs> together at the Ryder cup. And I thought that was very sweet. And then they all cashed in on, after the fact which i don't fault them for either
1: <laughs> no not at all you gotta take those opportunities when you can and just on the topic of what it, what was good for golf i actually think it's good just with the on the bryson topic so because i think we see it with baseball we're going to draw another parallel to baseball here where baseball has gone so analytical and that you know i mean it's, it's the topic of the last like two years about this pace of the game and how like coaches uh, managers aren't even like really managing the game they're just reading out of a binder. Like it's. I, I get the arguments 100%. So I, I kind of think it's good that someone like Bryson, who is very outwardly and obviously like he's just playing math out there, basically. I mean, he, he's obviously got the skills to to swing the club. But, you know, for him, every shot has, you know, six different mathematical factors to it. And for him to not be going out there and, and playing perfect all the time and having these flaws, I think, shows that, yeah, you know, there's, there's factors like that that if you study hard can have an effect, but you still just got to be good. But You still got to have the skills. And I think that is great for the game because there can still be that appreciation for those guys who are at that level and you can, you know, respect them and kind of want to strive to be that. So, you know, I think Bryson not being unstoppable is good for the game.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And you're spot on with the analytics stuff. I mean, <laughs> is driving, driving a lot of sports these days, baseball in particular. And then Mm -hmm. on that extreme with golf, when they had like the match, I just, it was really fascinating because you read all the things that he's studying into, but it's like to hear his mental thought process out loud of how he's looking at a green and reading a pot. And I'm just like, I think it's a little left to right, you know, like, yeah,
1: Yeah, my left foot seems to feel a little, (laughs)
2: little shorter, (laughs) but that's the perfect. I think that's why they, they, they were yin and yang from the start because Brooks is, he's not necessarily grip it and rip it. I mean, he's the modern grip and rip it. You know, John Daly was yeah. the the mullet and the cigarette and the mar and the you know the beer, which John Daly. But uh, <laughs> Brooks is the the cleaner cut version of look. It, it it's a ball. It's a number. You pick a club and you hit it, and then you you go up and you do it again. And mm-hmm. and and Andrew, it, it, I think it's like you say, it's it's good to show that yeah, there's this big monster behind you know monster uh, equation that he's putting in every single time. But at the end of the day, you've got to execute. And uh, and that's what I mean, that's what the sports all about. And Caitlin, you were talking about um, the baseball player earlier. Give me his last name again. losh Thank you. Uh, and, you know, I in the champions, Tour or something. And people would be like, oh, dream on. Listen, if you've already played anything at the major league level, whether that's baseball, basketball, mm-hmm. if you have some semblance in the crossover between the two sports, Andrew, you were talking about this earlier the swing i'm sorry the whole it's a myth it's a myth i played baseball i played golf i was at a decent level i'm I'm gonna you know i'm I'm a scratch golfer now i'm not gonna say scratch point something but anyway uh been baseball but they never interfered because you can make adjustments and also when i was younger it was easier to do but somebody like uh mr kyle loesch sorry He's already done that mentally. He knows how to turn into game time. I guarantee you, if, I, if you were to talk to him, it's like whether he's in the boardroom, the golf course, the batting cage, yeah. wherever he is, they're so mentally trained to just go click. All right, what are we doing? So if the muscle memory is there, if he's a scratch golfer, a plus handicap, you know, out there taking on three people at once to 17, 18 uh-huh. holes deep, get on him, son. That's awesome. Uh,
0: yeah, I definitely think you should. I don't know if he has any designs on that, but I'm like, you should. Like, you you basically retired at like, 40. So, you know, we'll start, as fan, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start as fan club.
2: We'll start his fan club. There's Choice Boys back in the day. We'll, we'll, the, the, the Kyle Bunch, Losh, the Loche. Uh, I'll figure it out. Back to you, Andrew.
0: But yeah. I think that, you know, there, if you're a good athlete, you know, that's why there's so many three, two, three, four sport athletes out there because it's that mindset and that mentality. And, and you know, the swing might be different. He's a pitcher. So, like, I don't know, his batting average is probably bad anyway. So that doesn't matter <laughs> as much. But, um, I remember back in the day, I played golf in high school, and that was as competitive as I got. But I was also playing a lot of, like, rollerblades street hockey. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> and Sorry. my golf coach told me to stop because he said my hockey swing was screwing up my golf swing. And I don't know if that's true not, But, like, then you look at, like, Happy Gilmore, and I'm like <laughs> –
1: <laughs> I'm glad
2: you said it first cause I was about to <laughs> I'll keep this one short Andrew but actually in Florida when I was growing up I was I was I picked up golf and I was like 13 12 13 years old and I was always a baseball first guy in high school freshman sophomore year baseball and golf for the same season so no no brainer I had to play baseball my junior year golf moved to a fall sport and the conversation was actually very short with with the coach because I mean he basically was just saying I show up January to you know to to practice and just don't screw up. He's like, "What do I care what you do? Don't get hurt." He's like, "I'm not going to tell you not to play golf." And I was like, "Well, I'm going to miss the preseason workouts." And he's like, "That's on you. Like, you're still going to be asked to perform in the in January." So, um, and I think that's actually where the the first love came from was the fact that like, if you have hand-eye coordination, golf, tennis, you know, mm-hmm. billiards, even. I mean, ping pong. Those are the, kind of the sports that you gravitate towards. Well, baseball and general sports, I don't know. Ping pong is not probably the highest on everybody's.
1: No, but even just because you're right, you're like even just throwing billiards in there. Like I've never made that parallel, but you're right. It's, you know, you, you got to do a lot of the same mental stuff and, and connecting it to your hands. And I mean, I've never thought about that, but it's, just, it's an interesting, an interesting thought to connect billiards and golf and say that, you know, people who like this might like, might like this as well. That's a very interesting take on that. I like it. Bringing the, the, bring the, bringing the, the, uh, the insights. <laughs>
0: The analytics back to that, that is, it's just, it's really blown up like so much. And and this past year I spent kind of reconnecting with golf and uh, writing series of stick and hack, you know, um, Okay, I have all this time now to dedicate back to golf. Let's see if I can, how much I can improve in a year. Can I get back to like playing competitively? So uh, I took lessons, I got new clubs. And then there was all these other things that did not exist even just when I was in high school. And I'm not that old, but like, okay, (laughs) we couldn't use rangefinders now, like that. And I don't think they even existed back then. And um, I got fitted for a golf ball and I had where
2: a- you can get fitted for golf balls. <laughs> yeah. That's what I wanted to stop real quick. Cause I was, I was nodding my head going, yeah, I'm going to get fitted for clubs. What? Stop. <laughs> like, you're going deep. Yeah, can we can we hit can we hit the pause button? What yeah. t- what was that like? I Fitting did for uh,
0: with Titleist, um, and I think uh, other companies do it too. And I went out on a range with Titleist, hit a, a few shots with a few different balls, and they were like based on your. I don't know if it was your. I'm probably butchering this. They'll so probably get a, a letter from <laughs> them <laughs> to issue a correction. Um, you know, basically <laughs> speed, the spin rate, the trajectory, all these things. This is the best type of ball that you should have.
2: Okay, have you noticed a difference?
0: Um, I'm too afraid to play with the Pro V1. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is that what? Hold on. Is that is that what you like? Quote unquote. Pro V1
0: X was what I was fitted for, and okay, okay. I have I have some. But when you you know, I'm only going to take those out it, when it's like a wide open fairway. There's no woods on one side or a, a lake on the other side because it's like five bucks a ball. That's like well, throwing yeah. my wallet out and throw five dollars.
2: Well, is, isn't shocking? Because <laughs> that's what I play, right? I mean, Pro one V1, Pro one x depending on the the course and conditions and stuff. And I, that's why I was curious. Because I'm, I'm like, they do have a deep bench of golf balls. There's no dearth of options of golf balls mm-hmm. within within their so was Curious. Shocking how they they just happened to whoosh, put you right there. But well, no, that I, I good,
0: <laughs> really good point that the golf ball is the only piece of equipment that you use on every single shot. So That's why true. you drop this much money on your clubs and you only, you may only use, okay, you use your putter probably the second most, but then like,
2: Oh, you're preaching to the choir. I, I, I mean, I was that kid begging my dad for back then it was tour blotters or professionals. And it wasn't until he, you know, once you can do break this break, you know, not your arm, like break 85, break 80. <laughs> and then we can start talking about, you know, better stuff. Uh, it's just fascinating to me because to the analytics, you you pointed out you're, you know, you're a re-emerging stick, you're a you're a rehabilitating hack, whatever you want to put it in the game. And and there's these new options available for you, like getting your a ball fitted, because who knows, it probably will over time. And I would be willing to I'd love to I'd love to talk to somebody else, like some gearhead about this. Is it actually that the ball makes the difference, or once you make a commitment to a single feeling? Over time, no matter what it is, your game's going to adjust because I could probably adjust my game to play a hard pinnacle if I was, you know, just for an entire season. But if you were b- bouncing back and forth, you, you'd notice.
0: I bet it's both. I bet it's and anything. Witch I doctors, they're all witch doctors. then what I what I play usually, you know, it's usually what I find <laughs> it's just oh, terrible. Oh, but oh. I don't trust myself yet, and. Um, yeah, but, I, but I think, like, you know, number there's so there's all these options and it's all really great, but at the end of the day, like, so you have to go out there and you have to perform and there's that human element. And one of the mm-hmm. things I did, bringing baseball back into it, the Brewers um, team psychologist, he actually does a lot of work in the golf industry as well with a lot of uh, tour players and college players and um, his wife and they own a golf course here in Wisconsin, too. So really interesting guy. And for my series of articles and working up to playing in a tournament last year i i sat down with him and did some of this mental analysis and um and he has a whole program where you take this test online and then based on your answers he gives you things to work on and um can't control like you can go through these things that are somewhat analytic to get to that but you at the end of the day you still have to to figure out how you can deal with these things when you're in a high pressure situation
2: or things like that. I'm I'm in a similar point in my game where I'm starting to, when I was younger, I, I did play in some, you know, some AJGA uh, tournaments, you know, down in Florida, a couple of us junior qualifiers, especially when I was feeling good about what I was doing in high school. And then my mom would say, all right, let's go, let's go test it. And I'd go out there and shoot <laughs> 80 and be like, what is going on? She's like, it's a different world. My sister was a competitive tennis player at West Virginia university. And she would say it's you know, the, the leaps you have to make mentally. Um, but getting back into it, you know, as a, you know, as a dad now, and after being away from the game for a few years, I moved from Florida up to Maine and realized the window of opportunity to play golf goes. And so it was hard, you know, it was hard to get back into it. So I started playing tournaments in the last two, two years. And sure enough, it was the very, it's, it's hilarious how quickly your body remembers adrenaline, nerves, taste, smells, sounds, feelings, you know, sunscreen, pressure, and all of a sudden, boom, you're back to 17 years old, 16 years old. And, and it takes you there. So it takes times. Yeah. So Caitlin, I might, I might hit you up offline. Will you be my personal Yoda? I need some help <laughs> getting back into a proper mental space. I got four or five qualifiers lined up for this year. I got to start exercising wow, awesome. the noodles.
0: Yeah. I'm go. not going to ever take it that, that far. Um, but
2: Yeah, we can talk
1: Yeah, me either, but I am, I am in the stage of my golf career where I'm just trying to keep it in bounce. I'm a solid like 14 handicap. So that's, I'm out there just having fun. That's what I do. Cause same thing. Like I can play like, you know, up until this year, this was the first year that I ever did a league. So I at least was able to play once a week. But before that I was only able to play like once a year, like it was just between, you know, not having any money really. And and time it's just man golf's hard (laughs) for a lot of reasons.
2: You, you make a good point. The accessibility to the game is another area where social media has incredibly helped grow just at, you know, people seeing it, people being able to be inspired by it. And, and to Caitlin's point, it opens up an Avenue for everybody. Nobody cares if you're Kanye or if you're kid rock, or if you're Caitlin Moyer, you're what are you on the golf course? Oh, I'm a 14. I'm a 10. I'm a 22. Everybody's the same. Everybody's fighting the same demons or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Brian Jones from CBS sports a couple weeks ago said something along those lines. He's like, it's a little white ball and it's just sitting there. It didn't do anything to me. It didn't try to tackle me. It's not coming at me. It's not trying to get... he's like, but I, it, it, it owns us. And I think, and that's why it's such a universal sport because anybody can pick it up. And no matter Jordan Spieth, that putt that just, I, I I mean somebody on the greens crew got paid because that thing <laughs> no way a PGA tour greenskeeper cut that hole, but you look at that and you're like that happened to me and I'm just you know I was I was be playing a beat up volvic that I found in the swamp and the same the exact now I wasn't I wasn't out 1.7 million but <laughs> that's where we share it and that's where the connection comes in the sport Caitlin do. You, do you go back to in in Milwaukee in your brewer days back to the early 2000s? I'm doing math on the fly here when you're throwing numbers out. So you were around. I'm a big I'm a Aaron Sorkin. If you're ever listening, I'd love to get coffee sometime. I was watching Moneyball again uh, this weekend. So where you were in the game when that, you know, the Oakland A's Billy Bean. And I know that's dramatized and there's probably people who are pissed off about how they were portrayed. But hey, meet Aaron Sorkin. Um, meet the guy I can write. What was it like to, to be on the ground looking back now, knowing what we know now, how far this has come, what was it like to, to be on the ground for that?
0: Gosh, I started in 2003 as an intern in college. So yeah, it's, the game has definitely changed. Um, you know, I was more focused on the marketing side, the, you know, getting the fan engagement and telling the stories, um, wasn't really privy to all the baseball operations, things like that. But we did have one of the smallest payrolls in baseball. And over time, seeing, you know, our farm system develop, um, you know, hiring new people in the front office that had different analytical mindsets and what this new, new scouting things were bringing to to the team and then how it paid off. Because I went, we went to the postseason four, four five times during my career, but it – it took a while to get there. So mm-hmm. I started in 03. we went to the post in, in 2008, which was the first time for the franchise in 26 years. And then we wow. went back in 11 and then um, 18, 19 and 20. So um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, you could see that, that shift. And um, it, a lot of it was that scouting that the talent early on and, um, you know, raising some of the homegrown guys, making some smart, trades that maybe weren't as popular with the fans at the time and then waiting a while to see that pay off. So um, yeah, it was, it's definitely an interesting time for the sport and now it's a very interesting time for the sport. <laughs>
2: yeah. See if they play. <laughs> <laughs> I I was in my wanderlust about spring training until you said that, Andrew, I completely forgot about that. I see this yeah. push out there for college softball and college baseball to be taken up on these networks. I'm all for it. Yeah, Put it yeah. on there. Why not? I, think, call, I hope the minor baseball
0: can capitalize on it. What's that? I hope minor league baseball can, can capitalize.
2: I'm so amateur when it comes to this. So with the, does the lockout not affecting the minor leagues? Correct. Okay. Cause they're not part of the major league baseball yeah. players. So yeah. Back to you. Yeah. I had to put yeah. two and two together there for a second. <laughs> Ah, I see what you're saying. So we don't need to go to the college ranks. We can put get the, the Portland. Right? Oh, they are. I, I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, going to the Florida State games and the Super Regionals every year, and College World Series. It, it, it's a the whole experience is a dope thing. Um, but you're right, the minor leagues. I didn't even think about that. Get the Portland Sea Dogs on there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no more Lowell. Spinners.
1: No, no more Lowell spinners. Those are my home, my hometown boys, right there. They're gone now.
2: <laughs> We're both in the in New England and uh, the Woo socks nearby. Oh, yeah. I'm from room, Florida. So. I don't even know why I'm claiming New England. I say I, I'm, I say New England. Andrew and I sound nothing alike. It's like yeah, yeah sure you are, bud. People up here, me and my wife's from Maine. She's like, don't tell people you look, just tell them you're from Florida. Still, please.
1: <laughs> and when it comes to New England and Florida, I mean, they're they just it's all about the season. You can be from both, and no one's no one's ever going to question like, oh, I'm from Florida. You say that up here, they're just like, oh yeah, cool. You're up here for the season, whatever. Flatlander yeah (laughs) so so no i love this is this has been some some good i wanted to to get into some other questions for you though caitlin because you know obviously as a female in the industry i'm sure especially going back to as far as 2003 um i have to imagine that you've you've kind of had to face some individual hurdles or maybe the way um no i hope you, you haven't been treated in ways that would would give you a story but like have you found that over the years, I'm assuming things have gotten better, but have they like, are you, are you fine? Did you find yourself like struggling to, to get your footing in the industry as a female? Um,
0: I don't think that I I really didn't have an issue getting in. I think, you know, just, I did really well in school and I had an internship and kind of got my foot in the door and just never took it out, took every advantage of every opportunity. And I used to attend this conference at I actually attended it virtually last year uh, as well, the national sports forum. And it's a conference for uh, people that work in front offices of everything from college level, um, minor leagues, major leagues, all different sports. And I remember attending it early on in my career and just walking right into the women's room and going to the bathroom at a break. And like, and you guys are guys, you don't ever have to deal with this, but most places the women's line, you know, it's going to take you 15 minutes to get through a women's line. And I remember distinctly thinking, like, gosh, if there was one place where I want to wait in line at the bathroom, it's at a sports conference. I want more women to be here. And um, and I think, you know, over the years, gradually, there's been more more women hired, more women hired. You know, you're seeing females in coaching positions within yep. baseball now and um, high up in the front office ranks. So, um, you know, on the operations side, which is it's really great. And so hopefully that stuff doesn't make headlines, you know, anytime you know, in the future yeah. because that means it's the norm, but these uh, women are continuing to break barriers and it's, it's awesome. So, so yeah, I, I personally didn't have, um, thankfully, you know, a lot of those hardships that I know a lot of people have had, but mm-hmm. um, I think that's just a credit to, you know, some of the people that I worked with um, and, you know, just putting my head down and doing it best job I could.
1: No, <laughs> well, I think that's awesome to hear that, you know, you know, people kind of had your back and, and, and to, I think it's funny to, to the, for the bathroom to be your kind of um like your your I guess your your scale of each year and how many more women are getting into the <laughs> in the industry I think that's you know it's probably a very accurate scale honestly cuz we we have all seen the lines at, at you a concert you got
0: a sporting event and it's yeah. <laughs> like good luck
2: but <bye>. yeah. <laughs> my i speaking of, so real quick my freshman sophomore year sophomore year in college I went to the University of Georgia and uh, I don't know if y'all remember a show back in the early 2000s on Fox, The O.C. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers. Don't sue me for the song. <laughs> I don't uh, know But anyways, song, but in <laughs> Athens, Georgia, they were doing a promotion. They were going to do a screening of the first two episodes of season two. And me and my buddy were like, hey, let's you know, let's go. There's free tickets. We heard it on the radio and everything like that. I'm on the radio, not online, kids. Look it up. <laughs> and But you had to go to the local mall and go into Victoria's Secret. And they were free. You just had to go in and just ask for them. We didn't eat, well, twist my arm. So we walk in, we get them, but then when we show up to it was a downtown what's called the Classic Center. You can still go there now. That's a great venue for shows and ballets and performances of all types. We walked in and we realized we were wildly in the minority. And Caitlin, it was it was we were gonna get to see the first four episodes, I think it was. So it was like, you know, it was a long night sure enough, no problems in the bathroom for us and the entire <laughs> night, because it was. It was it was an auditorium about 500, so the entire night, there was a line from the women's room, because, again, they weren't used to people getting up a lot or large crowds, so there's only two, three stalls in there all the way out the entire night. The O.C., such a good show. Short-lived.
1: I can't say I ever watched it. You know, I obviously knew, knew what either. it was, but I never watched an episode.
2: Oh, yeah, you're not missing much. <laughs> I thought you just said it was a great show. It was. <laughs> Now I'm forty, <laughs> I have things to do. Yeah. <laughs> like Todd's something
1: on Netflix late to just binge wart, right? That's yeah. <laughs> No, but so no, that's I, I think it's uh you know, I'd be curious to see if if we ever got to see something obviously there's the men's golf and women's golf and it's very separate, but I feel like like something like a like a female caddy on the on the men's tour, like would that be something I wonder if that would be something that would be
0: There yeah, are some. St- are
1: there are there? there oh no, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know okay. um, Steve Stricker's wife, Nikki Stricker. she's oh, okay. and oh, he's a Wisconsin guy. He's awesome. And actually, his daughter, his two daughters, and um, one of them was an intern uh, at the WSGA. So I worked with the Wisconsin State Golf Association, and they had a really cool program last year. It's called America's Number One Golf Internship, and they hired a couple of interns to play. Their job was to play the top courses in the state. They got paid to play golf. And then generate content about it. So um, Steve Stricker's daughter uh, was one of them. And I had the the opportunity to play with her and um, Nikki Stricker um, out at Black Wolf Run and wonderful woman, really awesome. And she 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 plays like just as well. She could probably be out there on the tour uh, the way she was reading greens and everything is awesome. And then a couple weeks, just a matter of one time in my life, a couple weeks later, I was at the American Family uh, Insurance um, Tournament that's ho- also hosted here at Champions Event. And I was following their group, and she happened to walk by. I'm just in the gallery. And she says, Oh, hello, Caitlin. Like, remembered my <laughs> name. And like, totally you know, out of context. And I was just so impressed. So I think she's awesome. <laughs> I well, mean
2: this Steve Stricker, first of all, Wisconsin, then you go to the micro. You all really are the nicest humans on earth. My family's from Michigan, so there's a little bit of envy there. Uh but Fanny Sunnison is another one. Nick Faldo's longtime caddy. She was on the bag for a bunch of majors for him. Uh just recently, see, they, they, so they, much they, I know about the caddies. And <laughs> like, just well, here's the thing, too. For we talk about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these pros. Who are out yeah. there? They can't bankroll a caddy. I mean, you, you know, these caddies yeah. are taken home ten percent. You know, if they make the cut, fifteen to twenty. If they win, a lot of times they do get a per diem. Some of them, I mean, some of the bigger players, I don't even want to know what those contracts are like. Um, and so, oftentimes, who's there with you? It's your, it's your partner, it's your spouse, it's who you know. Yeah. So, um, Akshay Batia, and please, I'm going to get. I, I know that's not <laughs> how you say it, uh, but the left-handed, you know, wonder kid who won on the Corn Ferry two the other week. His girlfriend was on the bag that, you know, which mm. their story is hilarious. He slid into her DMS before the Valero open last year and just said, Hey, we should meet up. And now she's on the bag form on the corn fairy tour. But Andrew, it's, it's a great question though, because they're not at that profile. I said, Fanny Sunnison, and I can't really you know put my hand on another one. Lee Westwood's wife is on the bag and she, that relationship was born out of a mental coach of psychology partnership. Um, but your, your point being, there's other ways for the game to grow, to expand, mm-hmm. you know, ca- these caddy programs that probably have, we're always like the rest of golf, a, a good old boy tradition. Who do you know? And Oh, my, my nephew did it last year <clears> and his schoolmates <throat> and they're all going to do it. You know, maybe just saying, well, maybe it's niece this year, maybe, you know, cause anybody can carry a bag. Anybody can look at yardage. Anybody can check the wind and hand a club. You know, it, it's a universal thing.
0: Caddy is hard. I did it like twice. And it's really hard. I So it was going to be my summer job in in high school and uh, local country club. And I was like, I was really doing it so that I could get to play the course on Mondays. And I never did it long enough to get that opportunity because I my first person I was assigned to, I had to carry this giant staff bag. And you guys can't see me. I'm five foot three. And I was like probably, you know, 30 pounds lighter. And I'm just trying to like, Struggle and carry this thing, and then I got tipped a sleeve of balls
2: oh.
0: around, and I was like, "I don't think I can do this. I'm gonna go take a job at the movie theater." <laughs> oh, way better.
2: Wait, I, 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 we need to do an entire episode just about what movies you got to see that summer. But um, I, I, Andrew, did I talk about it last week? Uh, I caddied one time, probably. <laughs> um, I caddied one time on the on. It was the Corn Fairy tour, but it was called the Nike tour back then. Uh, they came to Tallahassee. They came to golden Eagle country club where I grew up. Uh, and my mom, I was 13 and she just said, just go out there. So I went out there I went, and I, sh- I showed up to the pro shop. They pointed me over to the caddy tent. I signed in. They laughed at me cause I was dressed like I was ready to go play golf. They told me to go home and change. So I did, <laughs> I went home, and got a t-shirt on and some running shoes and whatnot. And sure enough, after about 20 minutes of standing around guy, a guy named Bobby Elliott just said, um, said, you got a bag? He's like, you got a bag. I said, no, sir. I said, do you live here? I said, yes, sir. And he's like, all right, do you know how to read greens? I was like, not really. He's like, good, because I can read greens, but I don't know the course. And so we went and played a practice round. And on the sixth hole, everybody was hit a two iron. It's a dog leg left that goes up, up to a blind tee shot and then kind of a 45 degree angle downhill to the green. But if you've never been there before, the green book says just to hit a little long iron up to the right, up to the top of the hill. So I just said to him, I was like, you know, Mr. Elliott, if you take your three wood over that trap there, you'll probably be about 40, 50 yards off the green. And he did it. And he looked at me when we got to the top of the hill and he said, you're hired. So at 13, I, he made the cut. I got four days on the bag. I got, I think, $200. He gave me 50 bucks around, all the balls that, you know, and all the free stuff that he couldn't take with him to schlepp to his next stop. Um, but the big win for the week was all my friends, we would sneak onto the driving range at night and go in all the nooks and crannies where the picker couldn't get the nice precepts that they got to use that week. So we all had like these gigantic trash bags of free golf balls for another year, but it is hard. So when I was saying anybody can do it, I meant the activity is not specialized to the point where nobody, there's no barrier to entry other than grit.
0: So they paid you to do that. It wasn't a volunteer.
2: No, it it was his name's Bobby Elliott. I I mean, I'm trying to find him online too because he uh, he's from Las Vegas. He was a he was a you know corn fairy guy. He went around a few times. I don't know if he got any got any wins. We actually in the practice round, uh, Tommy Armour the third was in our group, and that dude was a freaking hoot. You could tell that he kind of knew that his family name. He's like, I'm Tommy Armour. Like, look, followed him at events before. (laughs) He's a freaking riot. I mean, but like you could tell that he's holding up a a club like kind of. Kind of knowing like, yeah, I know that my family, my last name is Vanderbilt, but not in a, like a way that makes you hate him much more like it's like he's carrying like a burden, but he kind of likes it. Um, <laughs> he was a hoot, but I'll tell you what, for a 13 year old kid. That's and sad. like you said, the bag. So he just said, no, nah. he's like, he's like, I, I, you know, he doesn't, he didn't bring a caddy with him. They all would just go to spots and find either local kids or the caddies that would follow from stop to stop. Um, and nobody really, I mean, it, it was dope. The other caddies were super nice. I remember being terrified. Uh, you know, not knowing where to stand or anything like that, but instincts take over, If you know, the etiquette of the game, you just follow the etiquette of the game. And the other caddies were super, super friendly about it too.
0: That's cool. I was wondering, cause I just had a friend tell me that we have a, a symmetric stu- tour stop here in Milwaukee. And that was one of his volunteer, uh, opportunities is he was a caddy. So instead of just, you know, being a marshal or anything like that, he would was, use he was caddy. was uh, like, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. That's kind of cool
2: and that just i mean we talk about how far the game still has to come the Symmetra tour 20 jesus this was 1996 so 25 years after and i got paid you know but i don't know. Yeah, that's was, what i
0: i'm like well, i don't think that got paid
2: so <laughs> well that being said maybe that being said it was out of bobby's pocket it wasn't like it was coming from the tour or the country club or anything like that so so uh it could also be that maybe nowadays i don't know maybe they do it different maybe they do have a volunteer caddy program because I, i'll tell you what you talk to pro caddies and there are people out there with dreams um i would do it in a heartbeat you know you find somebody that that michael greller jordan speeth uh, relationship. Mike, Mike was a, a middle school teacher. I was a middle school teacher. So any, mm-hmm. any players out there, I really will yeah. do it. Um, <laughs> but it is, it, it's kind of a dream for those people because more so than anything, those, the, the, those men and women who are hitting those shots need to feel comfortable and confident in the moment. It's not that they don't know which club to hit. They know what they hit 185 yards uphill into the wind, Blah blah, blah, blah. They know what that is. They need the, they, they need the voice inside their head to be outside of their head saying, yep, or nope, or, and and that's kind of more so where it's at. I'm not denigrating the caddies out there. A lot of them are professional players or, you know, emerging ones. Uh, but my point being, the, the 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 magic doesn't just happen because you can carry a bag and know the sport. You have to have a relationship, and 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 I think that's the the thing about golf. It's all about connections and relationships.
0: There's a great caddy mm-hmm. documentary on Amazon Prime. I'll just put a plug in for that. I watched it like last week. I think I don't know, it might be like a year too old. But so
2: like it, Loopers? No. Well, okay.
0: Like, <laughs> um, maybe yeah sorry I No, I did, i'm gonna probably
2: i'm gonna end up probably watching it tomorrow morning i'm not gonna lie <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go find it when i get back from this trip for sure <laughs> you're gonna sleep for it for three days when you get back from this trip uh probably um uh,
1: <laughs> so so speaking of do you think do you think jordan speeth's caddy ever told him to not step near that that edge last weekend yeah. Do you think he said dude just forget it mm-hmm. just just let it go
2: I think you said take the drop, take your five. You've got how many how many opportunities to make it up ahead of you, including eighteen. Which to guys like that, you know, they're thinking three when the adrenaline's running that high. For sure, and if
1: anybody listening doesn't know what we're talking about, the um, I, f- I forget what hole it was, but it, it eight, went viral. Was it eight? Yeah, yeah. When viral, you know, Jordan Spieth has a has a, a shot standing, you know, Inches away from a, a straight seventy foot down drop into the the cliffs and the ocean there and um at pebble and uh he he goes sprinting away after he hits the shot and even said afterwards that it was probably a stupid decision on him to do it um but you do got you got imagine you got imagine him and his caddy might have might have had some differing opinions there as someone who you know the caddy I'm assuming doesn't have the same adrenaline rush that that, that the, the player has in those moments where they, sometimes they're thinking a little bit more clear.
0: Yeah, I think I actually read an article. I don't want to butcher and say the wrong thing, but I think I read an article this morning that talked about it, it was definitely an article about Smith, Smith and his caddy. And like something happened a couple years ago where he was caught on TV, like saying. I read that too. him and afterwards. He was just like, oh, I'm mortified. Like I was just upset. Of course, I didn't mean that. But I think that because the article was recent, it was referring to that shot and that his caddy was like, yeah, he wasn't on board, but how they, like-
2: they were, they were, they were, they, they said that he wasn't on board. It wasn't as, uh, yeah, they were saying like, it wasn't as bad or as divisive. They were saying, you know, they, they have their disagreements before as example yeah. by, and then they did pull one of the times where thanks Michael. And the freaking yeah. blah, blah, blah. The, the coda there though, was Jordan said he went home when he saw himself on TV. He was mortified. He was like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It, Cause in the mesh in the moment who you blame things on broken more clubs than we care to talk about <laughs> it wasn't uh, my it, fault it was the clubs
1: <laughs> it just it, it just made me think coming from the, the caddy speak that we were going there it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic where i wonder i wonder who out there would have you know would have let the caddy you know what kind who has the relationship out there where the caddy would have would have been able to talk them out of that shot like i just i'm not asking you guys your opinion necessarily but just it, i think it's an interesting dynamic you know that, that mental, those conversations between a caddy and a player. Like sometimes some of those caddies have a pretty strong hold over the player and are actually making a lot of the decisions. And then the player
2: just goes out there and executes it. Again, having your brain live outside your body is to, let me go into, let me go into robot mode. Let me go into Zen mode. Let me go into muscle memory. Uh, all, all they're standing over a putt and all they want to hear is length, break grain. They just give me their, give me the ingredients and then back through And they, you know, and they, and they kind of pray. And that's what that caddy is doing. Again, it, I say it like, it's simple. Just, you know, just give me the information, but it's the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid, you know, Mm no meat, no fluff. Just give me, give me the meat and potatoes. Let me do my work. And then we'll all eat good after this. That's the dream anyways.
1: (laughs) So, so have either, either, either of you guys ever been in a a golf situation where either you were in a dangerous situation with with a shot you were going to take, or I know for me, I am more of a danger to my to myself or other people <laughs> around me when playing. It's not necessarily that I am going to get hurt, and you really got to watch out if if you are around me. I mean, I've hit I've magically hit balls at a ninety degree angle off of the cart next to me before. I don't I don't know how, but I you know, nailed that that post that holds up the roof of the cart before. I, it's it was something special. I'll tell you that right now. But but have have either one of you been in a position where you could have been hurt? Playing the golf, which is a sport that not many people get hurt playing.
0: I mean, I, I mean, none of my shots are you know, I haven't broken par or anything like that. So there's and there's no like big money on the line for me. So mm-hmm. but I have done some some things that are way less risky than that cliffhanger there. But um, here in Wisconsin we play golf as long as there's not, you know, four inches of snow on the ground. So uh, I can remember like a frozen pond and normally the ball would have been in the pond, but test it out, well it seems like it's it's frozen solid. I can step <laughs> out there and hit it on and I I made par on on a hole from from a frozen pond but I knew the worst that was going to happen is if I cracked through then I was going to have to like probably leave because I'd have like (laughs) ice cold water up to my knees but I wasn't in danger of dying Uh, you know like falling over the edge of a cliff potentially but also he had a lot more on the line so
1: (laughs) yeah that's a
2: shot you don't want to take a divot out on if you're standing on ice (laughs) no no. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say it's pretty (laughs) there to begin with being a florida kid just the gators and snakes that you see and it's not a cliche they exist uh number 11 back at my old stomping ground there was a long bunker that ran from about 150 yards off the tee all the way up to the end of the 400 yard par four lake lake water down the left and it's just this long bunker so where did alligators go to sun they would just sit there if your tee shot went left it's up to you i mean you you'd see them you knew they were going to be down there um, the scarier ones for me were the rattlesnakes. So you know, if you hit it in the woods, you hit it in a ditch, especially dried out creeks. It's it's not you know, it's not fun. You know, you don't go looking for it, you don't swing at anything. Um, but as far as like dangerous, dangerous, like falling, no, I, <laughs> it, it's
1: I, I don't play courses with cool enough. Features that's what, like, that's what that, I was trying to go. a guy like, I mean, playing on. <laughs>
2: I was, I heard, I was, I was listening to PGA tour radio this morning taking my kid to daycare and they were talking about this, obviously like we are, cause everybody's talking about it. <laughs> and, and I can't remember which host it was. He was, he was over, he was overseas in um, Scotland or Ireland and they were playing a, one of the coastal courses and, and they were on a cliff that was hundreds of feet, not 60 feet. And he was trying to, he was trying to help people kind of understand, um, you know, how far Jordan was, but you know, just also how much further he could have been and they were on the they were on the ocean so they hit a golf ball and a normal golf ball with that apex is at 120 feet will be in the air for about i think he said 10 to 12 seconds uh their ball was in the air they hit it off the cliff into the ocean sat there watched it watched it land the whole time and it was like 38 seconds of hang time before the ball hit the water and that's the course because he was trying to make the point of yeah like pebbles on a cliff but like we were over here on this other side but then his buddy chimed in. He goes, yeah, but were you being asked to hit it, standing on the edge of it, off of it, leaning it? And he went down the whole thing. He's like, well, no, that's a whole different ballgame. Um, yeah, squid Game is a perfect example. What would you do for $1.7 million? I mean, people do cra- – I, I know it's a it's a show, <laughs> but I'm saying, what would you do if the money was on the line?
1: I never would have thought Squid Game would get brought up on the show well, in relation to a Jordan Speed golf And
0: O.C., <laughs> That's
2: two references that <laughs> I, I, I both up in the, like we, an hour. So- I too am a we, five we tool road. player. I too am a five tool player. We haven't even gone down, we don't have time for that in this hour. That'll be no, that'll no, be for the next don't. time I, I get I get freelanced into a podcast. Hopefully this one. I'd love to come back. That's what you do. You do it out, you do it out in public and then Andrew's yeah. be like, I'm never talking to this guy again. <laughs> it's I think we'll see. good for golf. Um, yes. you know, like
0: the so, so shots are memorable. They're getting talked about. Everyone wants to see that highlight. He did a similar thing at the Ryder Cup back here in Wisconsin, almost ran into the lake.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I like that style of play. I, I know maybe not endangering yourself to that level, but, um, you know, taking the risky shots, you know, it's, it's more relatable. You know, you, yeah. we can't say that we would have hit that shot. We might have ended up where he was, but we wouldn't have probably dared to to hit that shot. Um but it's it's his relatable, you
2: know. That's why guys like him, Phil, Arnie, uh, you know, shot makers, people who Bubba,
1: Sevi, uh, you,
2: the, Sevi thank you, oh, oh yes. Uh people like that who w- we relate to them because when they get in trouble, we're like, ah. I know that shot, but then they hit it and we're like, that's, that's what I want to hit. And they're just not, that's exactly
1: what I pictured when I did it.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And so with Jordan speed, that's why it's like, we're all going, God, I, yeah, I'd love to just kind of choke up on a seven iron, put it, you know, put it up in my stance, press forward and just kind of give it a little swipe and then chase off. I'm like a little swipe. We would whiff that thing four or five times falling backwards before somebody reminded us that we were still five feet from the ball, I would love to sit here on this show and say that I'd be like, "Yeah, I'd grab my six iron, just punch it on across the. No, take the drop. It, it's one stroke, and I'm not going to break par anyway.
1: I'd hit that shot no problem. I would
2: just pull my foot wedge out and take care of business.
1: <laughs>
2: just, 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 just push that little ball right off the cliff. Just finish the yeah. job for him, buddy. I'm gonna put you out of your misery. This, this cliff,
1: this cliff is an immovable object. All right, all right, free, free drop. <laughs> So, so, we're, so we're coming to the end of the show here. There's definitely questions that we left on the table that I would have loved to get to, but you know, I, I love just letting the conversation kind of flow. It's um, the style that I like for the show. I I, I think it's just relaxed. So I like to keep it that way. But I want to take the time to, um, as we end most shows here, I want to give the opportunity to Caitlin and Bud to you again to, um, to kind of just spread some words of wisdom or inspiration or just good vibes, whatever you want to call it, um, to the listeners out there, just what, what's something positive you can you can kind of end your time on the show here with uh, to leave people with. So, Caitlin, we'll start with you.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, well, we've talked a lot about my career path and what I always tell. I'm also an adjunct professor, but that's a story for another day. But I always tell them, um, you know, find something that you love and then find a way to get paid to do it. And that is what I've been fortunate enough to do in my career. Get paid to watch baseball, play to be around golf, play golf. Um, and I feel very, very fortunate, but I think, you know, that's achievable for a lot of people. So, you know, just got to figure out where is your, where do you fit in? If you love golf and you want to make it a career, like how can you work that into your life?
1: Love it for sure. But what you got for us?
2: the first thing I'm going to pick up is when you figure out how to do what Caitlin said, hit me up this at this buds for you on Twitter and let me know how you figured out to make golf part of your life. Because that's the there's a reason I refer to my future former nine to five because a man has dreams. (laughs) Uh, No, I uh, I just think that, again, being a a former teacher and in my future former nine to five, I work with a lot of college age students myself. And the one thing that I tell them is it's a big world and golf is a big community. And as long as everybody is interacting with each other with curiosity, empathy and respect, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean acceptance. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to eat everybody's cake and try everybody's this. But as long as empathy, curiosity and respect are alive and well, and we give each other space to do our thing, um, go out there and do your thing and make people happy. Golf's not going to make you happy. You have to make yourself happy. You can play golf and use it to make you happy, but it's not going to work on its own. The, the damn thing's too hard. <laughs> no, I love that. Curiosity, too. empathy, and respect. Sorry. Back to you in the studio.
1: Uh, it's going to be your, I'm going to get a t shirt with that on it for you to wear. <laughs> Back to you in the studio. No, I, I love both those things. So um, we got a couple minutes left here. So. I want to end uh, as always, Caitlin, what, where can people find you? Well, what, what do you have? What exciting new stuff do you have going on that you want to share with everyone that, um, you know, this is your chance to plug yourself and, and just have at it. So, you know, tell the people a little bit about yourself. So
0: my website is caitlinmoyer.com and you can find out about all the services that I offer for my marketing and communications business. Get in touch with me, freelance writing. You can check out some of my past articles if you're interested. Um, we didn't touch on it, but I am also a fitness Uh, professional. So I'm a certified personal trainer and a yoga teacher with a golf fitness specialization. So I do a lot of different things um, like yoga for golfers clinics, for example. And I put out some videos. I have a YouTube channel. There's a link on my website. Um, And then I I just love creating content spending as long as I did in in social media. Um, I still like to create my own content. So like last year, for example, I put paint on a lot of golf balls and I hit them into a canvas. Um, and just nice. made a random abstract piece of art. So I made a little video of that and I, I love that stuff like that. So, uh, check out dot and then you can find me on Twitter. You can see my handle there and if you just basically go to my website, you can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn and wherever else let's connect.
1: As a former art major, I absolutely love the paint and golf ball. That's uh that's awesome. It was over the pun about Jackson Pollock and golf. <laughs> Yeah. I can't think of one fast enough either myself, but, <laughs> <laughs> and then, but, but we can, you, we can still find you at uh, a stick and hack on Twitter. What, what, what do you got going on right now?
2: Well, right now uh, stick and hack. If you haven't been to stick and hack.com, check them out. It's a fun place for, I mean, if you enjoyed this, you would enjoy that because it's a similar crew of intersection of life and golf. Uh, you can find me on the early tea on stick and hack. It's a daily email that goes out a uh, little daily dose stick of life and golf. Uh, sometimes there's a joke thrown in there, and then, like you said, on Twitter and Instagram, I am old, so I am new to the game. Find me at This Bud's for You. um I will interact. I will be out there. You'll find me, and I will find you. Andrew, back to you in the studio.
1: Fantastic. So as always, I want to thank Belly Up, uh, Belly Up Sports. You can find me BellyUpSports.com or sports.com I'm on both um, right now, mainly in the. Uh, in the running this podcast, so I don't have any articles out at the moment, but uh, keep an eye out for those coming up. Uh, huge shout out to tiki dot com. Um, they're the home of our of our new Belly Up Sports TV uh, mm-hmm. station channel, um, and where you can find this show every Wednesday ten AM um, live or pre recorded. It will always be on at ten AM on Wednesday mornings Eastern Time, I should say. Uh, so find us there, and also just one big shout out: uh, Super Bowl is right around the corner this coming Sunday. Tune in to Belly Up Sports TV, uh, twelve o'clock Eastern on Super Bowl Sunday. We have a three and a half hour sports banana live show with special guests and fun games. Tons of stuff planned for you guys coming. So please check that out. We are working very hard on that, and it's going to be a blast. A perfect way to start the start the day off. So I
2: can't freaking wait. That's going to be fun. That's going to be my. I'm going to pop my cherry with Belly Up on Super Bowl Sunday. You can talk about t-shirts. Who do you got, Andrew? Super Bowl uh i look well, so i really want the the bengals
1: i think the rams win but i really want the bengals to win because i don't want matt stafford to be in the
2: hall of fame conversation fighting words <laughs> you're talking to a georgia guy caitlin who do you got in the super bowl uh do
0: you mean the snooper bowl because i'm not there for the halftime show
1: funny enough that's my segment on our sports uh, our super bowl pregame i'll bring you top 10 super bowl halftime shows so tune in, Caitlin. If you're a half every French week person, on Divots in. and Pivots, you never know what you're going to get. Never. But hey, we are at the end of our time. We got to sign off I here am. before I get in trouble with the, the big the big time leaders over at Belly Up. So tune in next week, 10 o'clock, Wednesday morning, Eastern on Belly Up TV on TikiLive.com. Thank you, Caitlin. Thanks. Thank you, bud. Thank you, all of you for listening. And we'll catch you next week.
0: Thanks, guys.